0: Jeez. Recorded live. Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast by CIA Technologies. My name is Farah Syed, and I'll be your host for this podcast. I've invited our chief evangelist and master of everything DevOps, Mr. Chris Rohit, to be our guest. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today?
1: I'm very well, Farah. Thank you so
0: much for the kind welcome. Excellent, excellent. So, folks, this is one of our first podcasts. The goal of this podcast will be to focus on all things continuous delivery. Chris and I will talk about various subjects within, a, within this topic and share our perspective and what we hear from our customers. As we know that today, software is an integral part of any business. We talk about application economy from CA's perspective and how everything is influenced by apps and code, from your refrigerator to your washing machine to the big airplanes that we travel in, Everything runs on code today. But uh, before we talk about and take a deep dive into how we got here, I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to the early days, perhaps 60 to 65 years ago, when we had a major disruption with mainframe. And look at the evolution of software and computers uh, since then. So Chris, what, what is your perspective on the three major disruptions that we all often talk about from mainframe to ERP and CRM to now the application economy? What drove this evolution and how did we get here?
1: Uh, That's a great question, Faraz, thank you so much. Um, So uh, I've been in IT for for a long, long time, maybe not quite as long as the mainframe, but I've always been fascinated at how changes in technology have driven and enabled new new business models. Um, And the IT function has kind of evolved to become, rather than a support to the business, something that's centrally driving the business. And that's never been more true than today in the application economy. But as you asked, you know, if you, if you step back, you know, I, I would argue that you know the current uh, digitization that's going on now is really the third wave. That's something that started all the way back in the 1960s with the mainframe. Um, it's the first time that we really use computers to um, you know uh, remove a lot of our paper-based processes um, and start to automate uh, you know repetitive tasks. And, and you know, when you think about what the mainframe did, and they still exist today. Um, in terms of being able to, to move that, you know, large transactional processing away from humans and, and errors and, and delays and speed, um, it made a phenomenal difference, and it was really the start of kind of the IT revolution. Um, if you then track forward, um, you know, now looking at maybe in the 90s, for me, the second big IT-driven change to business was actually, you know, the emergence of ERP and CRM systems. Um, because again, it was another stage at which a lot of you know, manual-based processes we then automated into computer systems, and they made a massive difference to how we run our businesses today. You know, whether it's contact management or, or, or you know, or, or transaction processing, those things were now all in-house. They're part of our core business, and we're really driving, um, you know, business innovation and the pace of innovation. Um, And if we bring that right up to date, you know, over over the last, you know, since since the 90s, um, you know, we saw the emergence of the web, we saw mobile and and tablet, and all of those technologies and, and what we learned during them have all really come together now in a perfect storm, where you know, traditional businesses that have got mainframes and they've got distributed systems and they've got ERP and CRM are now being forced to change how they communicate with their customers, how they deliver their goods and services, so that they stay relevant in the market. Um, and really it's that, this, you know, the current wave we're in that I believe is the biggest disruption we've ever seen um, to business
0: driven by IT. That's excellent, uh, Chris. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, it's, it's uh, amazing how far we have come. The other day, just last week, I was actually shopping for a refrigerator And uh, came across this refrigerator that connects it has cameras inside and and it has a iPad like screen in the front you can actually be in a store and connect to your refrigerator and look at whether you're out of milk or not and uh, that's the evolution it's uh, it's uh, fascinating to see how how far we have come but I want to go back a little bit right we talk about mainframes and and ERP and CRM systems Um, what do you think about internet and what um, you know the the the, the Internet itself, when it came out in 94, 95, what role did that play in, uh, in bringing us to where we are today?
1: Um, it, it, it was the first time, I think, when um, you know, we, we really had connectivity and we had between all of our different businesses and we had ways of being able to share our brand globally. Because up to that point you know you could you could do a good job locally or regionally and, and you know and people could could connect with you in the store or maybe you might have a mailing list or a you know a phone um but it was it was you know your your reach to the market was limited by you know your physical location and suddenly the internet came along, and anybody from anywhere from a back, you know in from the garage or from the data center you had now had a global reach to advertise you know, your goods and services. And um, very soon after, you know, and, and when the internet started, it was, it, you know, it was mostly that. We now had a global um, brochure that we could put up um, to, to advertise what we did. Um, and very soon following that, we saw the advent of e-commerce. So we had a brand new channel through which um, we could actually transact business. Um, and, and that opened up, you know, um, new marketplaces, um, but mainly it, it opened up this brand new channel to market. Now, interestingly, when that first happened, um, sort of late 90s, around the you know, early 2000s, um, in true fashion, this was a brand new wave of enabling technology. Initially, people, you know, businesses would say, well, we, you know, we don't really need the Internet. It's really glorified brochureware for marketing. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the first few you know, companies started exploiting that to do business and people realized what that could mean in terms of accelerating their market share and their reach all of a sudden, everybody needed to jump on the bandwagon. Um, so so the web kind of exploded as a way to do brand-new business. Um, and what that meant is suddenly we had to figure out where we were going to get the skills, how we were going to build those systems, how we were going to make them secure, Um, And, you know, for the first phase of that, people would typically outsource that capability to a specialist provider because in-house we didn't have those core skills. We weren't a web channel company. We were good at brick and mortar or catalog or phone um, selling. But, you know, so there was a massive skills requirement, number one, uh, but also a race to stay relevant as a business by opening this new channel. Um, So that was really the first phase that, that, you know, came across at the web. How do we get on it? Where do we find those skills? And we need to play.
0: Yeah, as you were talking, I, I was reminiscing about uh, the first time when I got on Amazon.com, and I think uh, uh, in my mind, if I look at a brand that's out there, Amazon kind of stands out, which really uh, drove uh, and really, you know, it, it was a big evolution of how business functioned, uh, opening up a new channel through through web. Uh, so, what's your what's your point of view around uh, since those days in the in the '90s to the early 2000s, and then we had a dot-com bust, and in, 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 in between, right? Um, what what has really changed, and what has been driving the application economy and the demand, uh, and uh, and the IT's role that we see today uh, in businesses?
1: Great question. I I, th- I think I think you know if, you, if the 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 internet and and the World Wide Web was really the, the you know the first phase of the transformation that happened it was it was that global connectivity as we've just discussed that gave us the ability to massively scale our, our reach and our market um, but you know in those days we were limited to you know people um accessing us through browsers typically from their desktop you know maybe through their laptop um so the times and places at which people could communicate with us were, were, you know we typically fixed um, the next big wave of technology that came along that really revolutionized that was, was, was really the smartphone you know whether it was apple 's iPhone or some of the you know the, the, the Android devices suddenly in our hand wherever we happened to be you know on the train in the car um you know, as a passenger obviously um, you know we had the ability then to to you know in, interact across the internet um, and it was the emergence of um smartphones that meant it 's not just you know we can use it at any time in any place, not just you know in our places of work or where our, our our computer was um in our you know where we live. Suddenly, I can do it on the move, I can do it where in an airport you know and and I have it it 's always on and it 's always with me so that that emergence of um, the tablets and the smartphones meant that we could then build on the success of the internet and then with, with customers. Can now interact with us 24 by 7, and that suddenly, um, you know, added a second driver is that now, you know, but just having a website through that, you know, that new digital channel, isn't isn't enough anymore because what smartphones did is it put the power once again back in the customer's hands to say yes we want to consume your goods and services. Um, we used to like, you know, we used to go to the store, then we decided we would do that through the web. Now we want to do it through our smartphone or our tablet, and we want to do it. You know, through, you know, through those channels on demand when we want to. So suddenly, it converted a business that maybe had, you know, ten years earlier got a website and was doing e-commerce, and suddenly they now have to move into more digital channels. Um, so they have to have, you know, iOS versions, Android versions of apps um, with with great customer experience. And because we, you know, can access those through the devices when we want, um, we're also suddenly there's a big demand for quality and customer experience. Because it's very easy for me now to download one bank's app and, and you know, access the bank through the app. And if I have a bad experience, well, there's an app store full of other bank's apps, competitors that I can then download and use those instead. So it was really, you know, it was the, it was the the building from the web, which gave us global reach, to then the device, the smart devices we use today, which allowed us to use use that whenever we want. And that that really became the most disruptive element, the
0: combination of those two things. Excellent. Uh, something you touched on, right? I mean, we, we hear about omni-channels, and, and when you talk about these various channels, are you referring to omni-channels? Can you kind of talk about the definition of that? What does it mean to uh, somebody who's, who's new to this, this and trying to understand the application economy? Uh, what does it mean to be, uh, you know, omni-channels and different channels, and what are these channels?
1: Lovely. So, um, I mean, a channel for a business is just a way that they get their goods and products to market. Um, so if you think, you know, historically, um, I might have gone to a physical store um, to buy, you know, to buy a product. Um, that was one channel, you know, going to the high street, going to the mall, going into the store and choosing and buying the product. Um, and then, you know, maybe they had a catalog and I could buy through the, the catalog or I could, you know, phone up each one of, to a call center and order a product. That way, they're, they're all different ways that a business, different channels that a business could sell to you or, or you know, um, uh, involve you in some business transactions. The web became the next channel and really the first digital channel where I might order lo- online through the e-commerce website. Um, and now we have you know, new digital channels as well. It might be the app. It might be through APIs. And we'll come on to talk more about APIs in the future. Um, but there's, there's lots of now different ways that I can interact with a business, by it physically, you know, over the phone, through the web, through the, through the app, through APIs. Each one of those is a different channel. Now, when we talk about things like omnichannel or multi-channel, what we're really saying is how connected is the experience that you as a consumer have in dealing with a particular business over all of those different channels? Because as far as a consumer is concerned, for me, I expect it to be seamless. I expect my experience to be the same whether I go in the store, whether I order it through my, my um, iPhone. I don't expect any difference in quality or information they have about me. I want a very seamless experience. So that puts very specific challenges on enterprises as they try and um, do business through all these channels. It's not just they have to create a website and an app. We need to connect all the backends uh, in real time across all of those different systems so that we share the customer's information. Um, I'd like to you know, walk into a shop, um, see something I want, and then maybe you know, buy it on my phone you know, while I'm physically standing in the store rather than you know, do, do a normal till transaction. So there's many models that opens up, but you know, omnichannel, um, multichannel um, are just ways to describe um, the, the fact that businesses today need to operate across many physical and digital channels, and they need to connect all of that together to provide a seamless experience for the customer.
0: You know, one thing as you were talking, I was thinking about was, uh, you know, everything you said kind of alludes to a c- customer experience, Right. Uh, no longer where uh, you're face to face with uh, with our customers. You have these multi channels or omni channels that you're using: web portals, mobile apps, different ways where you're interacting. Um, what does customer experience, you know, mean to you, and what does it mean to enterprise businesses today with uh, this evolution that we're seeing?
1: Um, customer experience for me, you know, as a consumer myself you know, I think it's become you know the defining property of you know being able to to work well in this new digital economy. It's all for me, you know, customer experience becomes the number one priority. You know, as a consumer, and I'm sure you're no different for us, you know, when you go online or you use you know various apps to deal with you know your bank or your you know your your gym or whatever you know, whatever you know whatever you're trying to consume as a business. If the experience you have through whichever channel you use, and typically it tends to be your smartphone or through the web, if you have a bad experience, what do I mean by that? Um, if you know, the, the, the site doesn't respond as fast as you want it to, or if when you, you know, click on the transaction you want to do, it fails for some reason and you get an error report back, um, we have absolutely no patience for that kind of problem. You know, if I go to check in for a flight and the you know, response says to me, oh, sorry, our system's down for maintenance, please come back in an hour. Um, the, the, the problem is today, you know, historically, I might have tolerated that. Today, I have so many other choices um, of airline, which are so simple for me to use because, you know, everything's online. or It's very simple to download new apps. But if you don't give an outstanding customer experience, error-free, seamless, connected, you know, people switch. Um, and businesses can actually measure the fallout of, you know, customers and revenue by having had a failure or, a, or a, a slow site or those sorts of things. So customer experience becomes number one. If we don't provide a consistent, innovative customer experience to our customers that's better than the competition, um, the cost of change is so low that we'll likely, you know, struggle to stay relevant in that market. So customer experience definitely number one. What does that mean to companies, businesses? They have to understand how they can innovate very rapidly. So yes, it's speed, but it's speed with quality. Um, so we have to make sure that when we're delivering innovation to stay ahead of the competition, the 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 software that we're building to that you know that drives that innovation is is outstanding quality. It's flawless. It performs well. It's you know it it stays available. So you know, if you're a, a business today. Trying to trying to survive in the application economy, you've got to suddenly think about how do I deliver innovation quickly, at outstanding quality, and those 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 two are the foundations of your success.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, albeit, if you look at large enterprise companies, right, that we work with today, uh, they have challenges that uh, that they face uh, in driving that customer experience or changing the culture. When you go around talking to your customers and uh, executives around the world, uh, what is one of the most common things that you hear uh, from the executives in in terms of how they drive this change or what kind of challenges they're facing uh, in uh, transforming their IT organizations and transforming their traditional businesses into being more software businesses?
1: Yeah, great question. And and there are I mean the good news is there are common themes and there are common problems that, that you know all of the enterprises that, that I and indeed you and others, you know, work with as we try and help them on this journey from, you know, how they used to decide what you know what software they were going to build to to in, empower their business um, through the traditional methods and then deliver it and, and the new ways they feel they need to do that to get to this speed and quality, you know, we talked about a minute ago. Um, and it really comes in a couple of, you know, areas. The, the first is, you know, organizationally, are, are, the comp- are these large enterprise companies set up um, structurally um, through business and all the IT functions, so they have a, um, you know, a, a, a set of business processes to identify what, you know, what, where they're going to make their investments in software, um, the ability then to deliver those at, you know, at low cost and at speed with quality. Um, are they structured in a way where they can do that fast and react to change, importantly? Um, so you know, they're, they're, they really need to look firstly at you know, how do they make their investments and, and how how, you know, how do they pick what battles they're going to do, knowing that in the current market, the traditional way of you know, deciding what we're doing this year and then baking everything for a year and, 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 and building it is no longer responsive enough. So they have to be thinking of ways that they can be more responsive to change in the markets, change from competition, change demanded by you know, us as customers, um, so they can be much more agile in that process. And secondly, they need to completely revisit um, their current processes that deliver software. You know, what does their software development lifecycle look like today? How manual, how many manual steps are it? Because what they need to do is is build you know, a, a software factory, something that's fully automated. So once they've decided where they're going to make their bets, they can deliver on those in a repeatable, high-quality, low-cost fashion. Um, so you know, we, we we spend a lot of time having conversations with customers who realise that, and what they're really looking to do is to say, how do we transform organizationally, process-wise, and 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 from our tools and methods, from from you know what we traditionally would have done to develop software, to what we now need to do to stay relevant in this digital economy
0: absolutely and uh, I, I would imagine that one of the toughest challenges for for um, our customers and, and and companies that are trying to transform uh, and become the software company is really not not so much around the products or tools it's really around the changing that culture right um, is that what you're hearing with uh, when you go around talking to your customers
1: yeah it definitely starts with um, you know, organisational design. Um, you know, and looking to see how can we make you know make the organi- make the organisation um, work at in in a manner where we can move at the pace we need to. Um, so they look a lot at um, you know DevOps in terms of you know how do we um, get the, the, the right teams together so we we, can, we share the right knowledge and we can move at the right pace. They look at you know more agile methodologies. Um, that enable them both to, you know, plan their investments in in a in an incremental fashion, but also deliver in a fashion where they can they can change, they can change fast. Um, you know, when I started in IT many many years ago, um, you know, as a business we would make a decision for the year about what we were going to do, um, and then we would have long, you know, 12 month long development cycles, um, and you know, you might get a product one year later, two years later, etc the 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 economy and, and and the market today is moving so fast that if we were to decide today you know what we were going to deliver in 12 months time um you know it would bear no resemblance in 12 months time to what we you know what the market then needed um so all of that all of that change is 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 new it's difficult um it requires you know new skills it requires new organizational structure So you're right. Customers are saying to us, you know, they they know they need to go to a transformation, and and some people would call it a digital transformation, Um, um, and it starts with organization and process. And what what the common two questions are is, you know, where do I start um, Mm -hmm. on that journey? And secondly, um, you know, what does the roadmap look like? Because we're not going to, you know, do that transformation overnight because it takes some time. So how do we do, you know, what's the roadmap step by step? go from where we used to be to what good looks like in the
0: future so we can get incremental value as we keep going excellent Um, you know you you hit a couple of things over here um, that uh, you know that that are very important one is being able to uh, adjust quickly and pivot uh, being agile I don't mean agile from a software development perspective but business agility itself is important Uh, second is that you got to transform the culture you got to drive uh, innovation you got to be able to respond to market faster now we, we talk about you know uh, we hear these things these themes around agile development business agility DevOps continuous delivery um, there's a lot of different acronyms out there right but in context of what you just described the business agility what do you see uh, are a couple of key things that organizations can do uh, from agile software development to continuous delivery. Uh, what are some of those things that they can, the journey that can embark on to transform themselves uh, as a software company?
1: Yeah, and I, I want to pick up also on, on the word software company. You've used it a, a few times, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it's important, I think, to state that, you know, to stay relevant in, you know, the current application economy. Um, Traditional businesses are having to behave more and more like software companies because the value we deliver is empowered through software, whether it 's you know the software we write for the apps that we, on, on the various smartphones or all the back end systems we need you know in place to deliver on those, especially when we start thinking back to you know, multi channel and digitally connecting all the different channels we have together to provide that seamless experience for our customers so yes we, you know traditional enterprises are having to work much more and, and, and you know, about how they become a software factor and how they you know use modern software processes, the terms you describe them will come on in future podcasts to sort of you know dig deep into each of those concepts around agile mm-hmm. continuous delivery and and devops and those those sorts of things um so you know certainly um it, it's it's a it's a transformation for how they used to work to those new concepts um and one you know one of the the, the, the key things as I you know, talked about a second ago is is is, is how do they start um, and and really because it's a big transformation um, it's not just about you know new tools and new processes etc a lot of it's around culture because you're you're actually going for a big change program. So you know, if you imagine, you know, you've got people in organisations who've been in QA departments or business analysts or developers or in operations. Um, we we you know, certainly the larger the company, the more silos we tended to build historically, and we built them for a good reason. We built them you know, for scale, and we built them because we needed deep specialisation in these areas. Um, we have to um, build on that, you know, that that, that, that depth of knowledge. Um, but also get more cross-functional collaboration, and that's a culture change for some organisations and, and for their staff. Um, so a, a big piece of transforming to something new is, you know, hearts and minds. It, it's quite easy for a business to understand why it needs to go faster, or you know, why why it needs to change um, how it works today to to you know increase its revenue or increase its market share or become more competitive. But if that involves changing how we work, then you have to have a very clear you know set of visions um, vision statements you can make to the to the staff overall so they understand why they're changing and also they understand what it means for them um, because you know change change can be you know a a a, a worry time um for, for for you know for, for people so you know we 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 very often see companies who do this successfully as well as define a good roadmap for what that you know what their transformation journey is going to look like. They spend a lot of time and thought on communicating well to their employees to say, you know here's the journey we're going on, here's why we're going on it, here's what it means to you, here's what you know new, new, new skills and opportunities you could have on that journey. So you know communicating that plan, um, selling you know, evangelizing internally about the, the, the benefits you're getting month by month as you start going on that journey are key parts of what makes a successful transformation.
0: Excellent, excellent. You know, as you mentioned, we're going to talk about uh, different trends and uh, 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 different transformations that are happening, specifically around agile development, continuous delivery, and we're going to drill down into these topics in our subsequent podcast. Uh, But sticking to the theme of evolution, what do you see as next? I mean, I I kind of see uh, analytics, uh, artificial intelligence, um, uh, you know, internet of things, so what do you see as that next evolution for us uh, as we move forward?
1: Um, it's a great question, um, and I think all of the, all of the things you mentioned are, will, will be part of it. Um, in some ways, um, the, although I love forward-thinking questions, it's, you know, it's actually a bit ahead of where we are in the market at the moment there are there are you know several organizations today who have adopted a lot of you know the the the, the, the methodologies they're, they're doing devops they're doing continuous delivery they've adopted agile as, as their you know or scaled agile type framework um and and they you know they're really moving much faster at a at a more digital pace um but even even today you know in 2016 they're still fairly few that that have made the you know that uh, certainly across the enterprise that have made that transition lots of organizations have got pockets of excellence around um you know DevOps and these sorts of things but all you know as a whole quite often it's a relatively small percentage of the software they build or the applications that they they deliver um so actually I think for me you know that the next the next probably two or three years are people going through the current transformation yes we're clearly you know we'll keep an eye on what the next big thing is um but right now we've, we've got work to do and we've got to move from our traditional world and we've got to make sure that we're going you know we can now deliver business through the digital channels that we're creating um, at the speed and quality that's required to stay relevant or to capitalize on um, the application economy so i think i think you know that that has to be the focus right now the good thing you know to not duck your question entirely the good thing about the you know the, the methodologies and the processes that we are being required to adopt as we become these software companies staying relevant is that they are agile with a with a lowercase a so as things change as you know new technologies come about as new digital business models emerge we've got an engine now in the business and IT where we can then quickly react to that change and for me you know that that foundation in this third wave is going to set us up very strong for whatever wave four and five and six become in the future, because it, that that's the biggest thing we're changing right now. We're changing. You know, we've been driven to change by, you know, internet and then and then um, you know, uh, um, uh, tablets and 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 smartphones, um, and that's that's why we've had to change. But part of the solution to that is setting us up. So we can we can cope with pace of change. So we can deliver incremental capability every every few weeks, every every few minutes, you know, depending on on, on what's required in the market. So as new things emerge, we're, we're we suddenly we have an engine in our business and IT that can react to that at the pace required.
0: Indeed, indeed, I think that's a that's a pretty good segue into our next podcast, which is going to be around uh, concept of uh, lean and agile software development. Uh, so with that, Chris, I want to thank you uh, for your time today. It was very insightful. I look forward to our second podcast. Again, the second podcast is going to be around the concept of lean agile software development. We're going to talk about what is agile. How do you how do you implement agile? There are so many different uh, versions and scaled agile software development. There's business agility. We're going to take a deep uh, drill down into those topics with Chris. And, uh, and continue this, uh, series of pop- podcasts. With that, thank you, Chris, uh, and, uh, thanks everyone for listening.